Welcome to the Insurance Revolutionized podcast brought to you by Success Without Sacrifice. I am your host and coach, Cherie Sauer, and here on the podcast, we are on a mission to revolutionize the way women in insurance do business. We will be interviewing women who are changing the face of insurance, as well as giving you tips and inspiration to grow your agency to new heights without sacrificing what is most important to you. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Insurance Revolutionized podcast. I'm so excited. I have Teresa Kitchens here with me today. And I'm so excited to have Teresa on. I've been listening to her podcast, Power Women in Insurance. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Okay, perfect. Um, And I've just been binging that over the last couple of months. So I was telling Teresa, I feel like I already know her. And I feel like I have a million things that we could talk about. Um, but we're going to try and keep it short today. We won't go too long. We have a couple topics that we're going to be talking about. Uh, Teresa, thank you so much for being here. Would you just tell everybody who you are and a little bit about yourself? Yeah, no, I am beyond excited to be able to be here. And I think we were talking a few minutes ago, I've been kind of taking a break from a couple different things on the podcasting and things. So this gets me all juiced again. So I love this personal connection. So thank you so much for having me on. Um, My name is Teresa Kitchens. I do own an insurance agency in Dallas, Texas. We actually have locations in Dallas, Austin, and Denver, and uh, we love what we do. We are a virtual agency. We've been around for um, a little bit over 20 years, and um, we are rocking and rolling and working this hard market. So it's been um, a great 20 years in the industry, Um, have been a lot of... um, trial, tribulation, struggle, but a lot of personal triumph as well. So um, that's one of the things that on the podcast and through a lot of the things that I do, I would love for people to hear about the longevity in the insurance industry and the life and the the passion that you can be able to achieve with this type of an industry. So thanks so much for having me on. Yes, thank you. And tell us, how did you get into insurance? So my, (laughs) we talked about this a little bit before, but so my undergrad degree is actually elementary education. I taught fifth grade English. I loved teaching school. Actually, I had a kindergarten emphasis. And when I did my student teaching, I decided that was not for me. I was not, it was not going to be for me to wipe noses and butts all day. It was not, (laughs) I, I have so much love for those people, but I decided at that point that was not my gift. So I went into fifth grade, loved teaching English, loved it, was a stay-at-home mom for nine years. I had two wonderful children. And then um, in 2003 or 2002, my dad was with Allstate. The mold crisis had hit Texas, which we had black mold in a lot of our walls because of the humidity and um, just plumbing at that point here in Texas. So a lot of insurance carriers backed out of the state. And Allstate was one of them where you had to have no claims, perfect credit, no bumps on any way, shape, or form. Otherwise, they wouldn't write you. So he had been with Allstate for probably about four years, three, four years. And he was just like, I can't grow anymore because I've got this, you know, this stopgap where I can't grow. So he said, I've got a non-compete. I want you to go open up this agency. He said, and I'll be right behind you. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So I went ahead and opened it. I did not even have an insurance license. It was a Purely, I don't know how in the world our cluster gave us a uh, appointment. They were probably in some breach of bylaws somewhere. I don't even know, but it probably was not a good idea. But um, jumped in there, really fell in love with it. But I was uh, blessed that I was able to raise my children in this industry. My children were nine and three when I started. So they grew up 
under my desk, we had the Netflix, you know, movies that we'd, we would swap out and they had little, you know, VHS players and they would come on up and, and ask questions. We had a playroom in the back with a snake and um, hamsters and Ataris and all the fruit roll-ups you could ever possibly find. <laughs> and it was wonderful. We loved it. And um, my dad and I actually opened up a computer system, a CRM system uh about two years in to help us manage a lot of the leads that we were getting so then after a period of time about five years i went that direction and managed that business and then he kind of managed the insurance agency and then he sold that off in 2015 and um, i refocused back on the insurance industry so i've been i've been 100 insurance since 2015 but we did open the agency in 2003 so it's been it's been a lot of fun and i did have a large learning curve and you know in this industry it changes so frequently that i think we all feel like there's a constant learning curve to everything in this in this uh constantly changing market I was just telling you before, I'm like, it's like a foreign language. Insurance yeah. is like a foreign, it's literally like a foreign language. Yep. <laughs> I learn something new, like literally every day and every time I talk to somebody. So um, yeah, so you've kind of had the gamut of kind of doing all sorts of different things. Um, I didn't realize. So I'm curious with the, the CRM system. So you guys were able to create that. You guys created it yourself and then were able to sell it off. And now it's yep. under a different brand. That's cool. So yep. do you still use that system? We do not. We actually sold. Okay. We had um, so it was built on a uh, a format where everything was in a circle kind of thing, where everything was built on everything. Today's day and age, they do more of a independent portal to where you have independent portals that if one crashes, it doesn't crash all the other pieces. It's just built a little differently. So we actually came to a point where it needed to be completely rebuilt because based on how a lot of the computer systems were working, we had added in an auto dialer, email marketing. We were working on a print mailing um, piece at that point it needed to be completely redesigned. So with that in mind, in order for us to go the distance, we needed to be able to get in investors and do some different things. And um, I, at that point, kind of wanted to go back into the insurance industry a little bit more. I'd already been doing the computer thing for a while. And at that point too, the CRM world was really catching on fire where we were, people didn't even know what any of that was. We were they didn't even understand. They were like, well, I could just have a spreadsheet and keep up with everything I need. And they did. It was it was a little before its time. And um, so with that, uh, what we did was we just kind of took a step back. My dad actually owned that business. And so he decided to sell off mainly the data to another company. And then they kind of merged in where they could and then took the, the clients and the data piece. We do not use it currently, unfortunately. It just it just doesn't go the direction that we really wanted it to go in the long run. Um, but now there are so many different systems out there. They're so robust and so beautifully built. Um, but with us, everything was kind of like a circle to where one thing went down, the rest of the circle would go down. So it needed to be completely rebuilt. So that's why we, we, we decided to step away from it. And at that point, I decided that since I did not really have any type of technology knowledge or experience that that needed to be somebody that was a little bit more further along in that learning curve than I was. So yeah. I decided to release that at that time. Nice. That's, that's I just always find it fascinating of people who like build stuff and then like sell it off and um, that whole process. I had started with gift boxes and okay. had kind of gotten to a point where after three years i was like okay this isn't really fulfilling for me um and it is that point of like okay do i sell this do i like what what do i do what's the turning point now and was at the point of like i'm gonna have to get investors and 
yeah you know to be able to grow and it was like do i really want to do that and at the end of the day i was like no and but it is it's like sometimes it's like releasing your baby out into the it world is. and <laughs> uh, letting them fly the nest and you know for something you've worked so hard to build so and that was I it. I didn't want to have to have a board of directors to be able to 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 report to, right? And at yeah. that point, um, you know, and I'm, I'm very open on my podcast. I had been divorced, and um, and in 2015, I was actually in the middle of my second divorce. And so, at that point, my life was just in this chaotic state. My kids and I had moved into an apartment. We were in a rebuild mode. Um, my kids had not adjusted to the marriage, um, the way that I had hoped for. And, uh, they were in, um, a little bit of a, of a challenging place. Their, their dad had moved away for different reasons. And so we just, I felt like, I felt like in my world, I just needed safety. I just felt like I needed to come back to center and I needed something that I could really be a part of and that I would really love. And I felt like where the, that was going and have the, the, the knowledge or the understanding to really take it where it needed to go. And, and it was one of those where I wish it loved and I wish it liked, and I wish it all the wonderful things that it could have been, but I just felt like in my time with it had ended. So I stepped away and then, um, you know, my dad kind of did with it with what he wanted and, and partnered up with another company to kind of take over the back end. And so it, it was a wonderful time. It was a cornerstone time, I think for me as a, um, as a person and as a business owner and as um you know uh a creativity i loved i loved being able to draw little boxes on pieces of paper and say i want this to do this and then i put a little arrow to say this is all the things i want that button to do and i knew that if we continued with it we'd end up with a board and we'd end up with people that would have all these other requirements in life that we would have to live up to as a company and i just didn't feel like that was my space so yeah. Yeah. And good for you for recognizing it and not just hanging on to it. Cause I think the, the pivot is the hardest thing sometimes, yeah. whether you're pivoting out of, you know, being a captive agent to going independent or vice versa or any life transition. And also, um, just the fact of understanding like what is happening in life is going to affect us in business and what's happening in, in business is going to affect life. And, mm -hmm. um, I find that a lot of women try to keep those separate. Sometimes we, we try to put them in a box. <laughs> Men are really good at compartmentalizing. Women are not. And so yeah. when we try to compartmentalize, like that's where we get in sticky situations and it doesn't work well. So, um, okay. So you got back into the agency, back into insurance. You're now licensed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that happened earlier on, Way earlier, uh, yeah. <laughs> but let's just kind of talk about what did you envision for yourself and your agency? What did you kind of envision that looking like versus kind of the reality, the good, the bad, the ugly? Let's just kind of go into that a little bit. Well, I think I think because I went into business kind of with my dad, right? And he had been with Allstate. He had this idea that he would just go on out and bring in the business and then I would take care of all the back end stuff, you know, because I think that's the old school model of insurance. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, I think that after coming out of that CRM situation where we had a staff, we had a team, and um, I do believe that um, everybody goes through a personal crisis every 18 months, statistically, and that personal crisis doesn't have to be massive. It could be um, a little bit more like subdued. It could be like car problems, or it could be, you know, I'm, I'm just really, really um, tired or sick or something. It doesn't have to be massive. But um, especially since, and I had mentioned going through my divorce and just going through the fact that my children didn't acclimate well to the to the marriage, but 
with that concept, I, I needed, I love the fact that I had had a team over here with the, with the computer system, with the CRM system, and I had a team and we could work together. And it wasn't one person that if I took the day off, the whole world just stopped revolving around that one thing. Whereas if we did this other business model, as insurance agencies do it, typically you end up with one or two, you know, CSRs or something like that. And you have your outside producer or your, your man who brings everything in or your person who brings everything in. And then the, the CSRs kind of take care of it. And I didn't want to be that person. I did not want to be that person who has to have everything cringing or, or you know, settling in on the fact of whether or not I come into the office today. Um, so I decided to be able to orchestrate my business differently. So um, at that point, my dad and I had kind of come to an agreement that uh, I would run the insurance agency. So with that, you know, I just kind of said, I want to hire people. I want to do this differently than how we, how he wanted to run it. And ultimately it was going to be, it was in my name anyway. So we went ahead and we went with it. And I was just, I've been so honored to be able to work with some amazing producers, team members. Um, we, we were using virtual assistants with the concept of the CRM system. So I brought that into the agency way before in fact i took those vas and put them in my agency i have one va that has been with me for 10 years almost wow. so you know we did a few things differently than other agencies we had already moved over to voice over ip phones we did that because during uh, right before my divorce both my children were in the hospital for an extended amount of time and my son had some heart problems that I needed to help him get to doctor's appointments with. So we moved over to voice over IP so I could have the app on my phone. We could be mobile. I could just pop up a Wi-Fi or work off of at McDonald's somewhere. Um, that was what I needed to do to be able to keep the business and the mommy and me going. And um, I had already made a lot of those changes and adjustments. So what I really wanted was a team of people who love their job, who love what they do, but who also have personal freedom to be the people that they want to be. And so that's been my underlying um, compass to everything. If people are not happy, our clients are not going to be happy. Our, if our team's not happy, we're not going to be happy as, as, as individuals or as a team. I don't want people going home miserable at the end of the day. We're all going to have days where we're not happy with the way that our day went, right? But we don't need to be perpetually in misery. And yeah. I did never want to be that. And I didn't, I don't want to be an agency owner that's gone all the time or not available to my team. Um, but I also want backups. And so I think I really thought when we first got started that once we hit $100,000 in revenue, to, you know, $200,000 in revenue, I was like, man, cha-ching, we're going to be doing great. Life's going to be fabulous. You know, and then we hit like the 200, 200, 250 market. I was like, oh, well, I still want this, 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 and this, right? So then we grew, you know, and then I think you hit that five, 600 mark, you know, and then you, you create a different vision. I don't think that people, when they get into insurance, understand that as you reach different mile markers in your career and in your agency, your vision is going to completely change. And we think, oh, this is where I'm going to be happy. And I always kind of wanted, what some people call more of a lifestyle agency, which was something that gave me the freedom and the love and the team and the clients. And I just thought we would all just love on each other and it was going to be so happy <laughs> and blissful. But when I reached a certain point, I'm like, no, we have these challenges. Let's do this. And in order to do that, we need to grow to this level. So I've realized that I'm constantly pushing that envelope a lot more than I expected. But when I get there, I don't give myself the credit for where I've gone either. And I need to make sure that I take the time, love where I've been, love where I am. And then I also need to vision forward because we yeah. need the combination of both in order to be really fulfilled. 
And I don't think I understood anything like that. And I thought that I was going to hit this level and then everything was just going to be heaven. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, even though we've done a lot of really good things and we were really in a good place, but it's yeah. not, it's not done the way I thought it was going to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that you talked about that. Cause I think, um, everyone gets the, uh, you know, the, the hundred K the 200 K. And when I yep. hit this point, then I'm going to be fulfilled. Then I'm going to be happy. And it's like, it's not the money that brings the happiness and the vanilla. It's the growth through the process. Yep. And, um, you know, and you, even beforehand, we were talking about, you know, you just kind of feeling burnt out over the last couple of years and, you know, just trying to figure out what's going on. And part of it is you have gotten to this level Right. And so now it's like, okay, well now what I've grown all this, I've done all of this. So will you talk about that a little bit? Because I think this is more common than not common, whether it's burnout because you're in your first two years and you're hustling, right. Or it's burnout because you've hit kind of the pinnacle. And now it's like, what do I do now? Um, and being an empty nester you talked about, and, and so lots of different moving pieces and it's not yeah. one thing or the other, it's usually a combination. And my background is sports medicine and um, something that we saw commonly in athletes is called overtraining syndrome. And they would get to this point where their performance was decreasing. They just weren't motivated. They were mm -hmm. tired. They were maybe depressed. And they're like, I don't know what happened. Right. That's me right there. <laughs> if you can't see me, I'm raising my hand right now. I mean that right there. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and they, they get to this point and they're like, everything was great right? Like I have the success I want and my job is good and, and all of these things and they can't figure out like what in the world just happened. And it's multiple factors. It's yeah. not just one thing. Um, it's, it's usually a multitude of things. And so uh, would you just talk about that and kind of your experience with that over the last couple of years, where you think that's coming from? Because I think this is such an important conversation to have because a lot of people look at you, I'm sure, and they're like, wow, Teresa has the success. She has it all. She has everything, right? She must just be living the life. And it's like, internally, there's a lot of stuff going on. And we just, we don't talk about it. We get the highlight reel and not that we're trying to necessarily, but um, this is a conversation that I think is so important for people to hear um, from somebody who is as successful as you that even with all the success, there's still moments where you are going to maybe not feel fulfilled or happy or joyful all the time. And I think this is really important to point out. So uh, would you just kind of walk us through kind of what that experience has been like, what's been going on for you? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing is whenever we get into a funk, whatever that funk is, listen to what is going on in our brains and listen to what's going on in our, in our souls. And, um, I think because if we stop and we, I mean, I, I love to meditate. I don't meditate enough, but I don't know anybody does. But um, I think that by listening to what's going on inside of our head and inside of our hearts, we can get a lot of insight when we get to that wall. Um, it's a lot like exercise. It's a lot like running. You use the sports medicine type situation. Everybody gets to a point where they they kind of level off, okay? And then they've got to push their body to get to it. And when we're younger, it's fine. You push over it. You, you know, you push, you push, you push, right? You got to, you know, be able to, you know, maybe get in the gym and do different types of weights or do different types of exercises to get yourself over that hump of, of achievement. And I think when we get a little further in life, we think that that's all that's really going to take to be able to push onto that next plateau or onto that next set of, of, of above the plateau to get to the next set of growth. But I think that 
when we get to a certain point in our careers, we have to understand we are so much more than the compartmentalization that we've made of our career, of our personal life, of our finances, of our of our team, right? I can say I've got a great team, right? But if my home life is really struggling, then that still affects us. And mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm not a big fan of true compartmentalization. I definitely believe that there are times you just need to nut up, move forward. We'll deal with that later. And um, I definitely think that has its place in life. But mm-hmm. I also think that by waiting too long, you'd cause more problems than not. And I think sometimes when we get into this situation where we build a book of business, we're starting this career. This is tough. Everybody always says, if you can make it through the first five years, you'll be able to eat, right? And <laughs> the problem is, is that you don't for a while, you know, you don't have that extra money. You don't have that extra um, freedom to be able to do what you want to do for a number of years, for a long time. And I think then when you get to that point, then all of a sudden you're, you're surprised by the stress that keep comes with keeping it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because we've compartmentalized it. If I can just do this in my career, then all these other things are going to come into play. But then the problem is something else happens or something something else comes into play that it, it makes this, it makes the work harder or it makes your personal life harder. Because I always think of it, um, I always think of it like a series of pistons going off inside of an engine. Everything cannot be at full fire at the same time. Something has to come down for something else to come up. And it has to be an orchestrated melody that we have to be able to really work inside of our careers, inside of our lives, inside of our finances, inside of our dreams, inside of our hopes. Where do we want to go? And if we don't keep that that balance going and balance is a really bad word. I don't think, I think because everybody thinks the balance is equal and it's not, it just means that the concept of everything's in balance means that when this sucks, this is going to be doing better. And it doesn't mean that this won't suck. It doesn't mean something's not going to hurt. I think people think balance means equilibrium. I think they think something's not going to hurt. And that's not the way that this goes. it's a constant up and down, up and down. And there's even times when, I mean, I have to ask, you know, my assistant, make sure I get date night with my husband. That's not my gift. I'm not somebody who goes, Ooh, I just want to go out with my husband tonight. I don't even think about it till like nine, 9 PM on a Friday night. Like, (laughs) Oh, maybe we need to spend time together. I'm, I'm the dude in the relationship in that way. So it's great that we, we have to be intentional though, to make sure that we get the the, the all the aspects of that orchestra that we get the winds and the symphony and we get the you know we get the drums and we get the percussions and that we get all of these things because it is a a a beautiful dance of life and there are times that we need to spend time with our kids there are times that we need to spend more time in the office there's time that my husband needs me there's times that if i'm in a charity that i'm helping out with a you know silent auction or something and i need to spend time there but if we realize that everything's always in balance then we have a sense of peace that this is just not the time for that piece right now to overwhelm me and to take over. So it's okay to let that be silent for a little bit or for it to be more of a dormant piece of our lives because it'll come back up, right? And I think that when we really look at our lives that way, we can see the the melody and the the contrast and we realize that the contrast is okay it's all right it's all right if i don't have 20 percent growth in my agency this year if you have it for two years three years it's okay sit relax for one year right two years maybe let your team get really solid in all of the 
operations. Maybe you need to bring in more automation. Maybe you need to make some um, structural changes to your agency right now. Maybe it's not always about premium growth or always about growth in this one area. Maybe it needs to be about growth in professional development. Maybe it needs to be that, you know, growth in the fact that you bring in a CFO to make sure that the business is running healthy. Maybe it's that we need to take time off and just sit with our family and just be home every night by five o'clock. Shocker, you know, <laughs> that we actually get to spend time with the people that we love. And I think that when we realize that life is a series of, of seasons, it makes it easier when those seasons come in play but we also have to be cognizant enough to say, right now my season is blank. And we need to be okay that it's not this other season. And as drivers or as business owners or as high achieving people, we have a very hard time with that. We don't yes. like that. We are not the queen of everything, you know? Yeah. And um, I think when I, I think the, I think the world has forced me to, understand that a lot differently than some other people, because it seems to be that I have these huge two by fours that come into my life and just stick themselves into my wheel crank of the way my life should function in my mind. And it just takes everything to a utteral screaming halt some days, because if I don't allow myself to find that balance or that, that harmony and that orchestra, then it will find it for me. And yeah. I've learned to stop before I get to that point because I push so hard in certain arenas of my life that I've done damage to certain areas of my life. And I'm much more allotting for the balance now um, or that orchestrated um, musical piece that I need to make sure that I say, this is my season for blank. And um, I know I've mentioned it, I've been through uh, two divorces and I got remarried to my second husband. And uh, we actually have a full podcast. We have two episodes on the podcast about how the business contributed to that, but then also how we had to come out of it and how I dealt with that within my business, but then also just with my kids and my life and the different ground rules we had to be able to put in place to rebuild. Um, I've also been very open about uh, my children and how them growing up has affected me because my children, um, my son would be 30 this month and my daughter is 24. She's about to turn 25. And I love them. I actually have a podcast with them about what it was like growing up with an entrepreneurial mom. And it's my favorite episode. I have not listened to it in um, a long time because my son passed away uh, going on two years ago in September. And that has been emotionally excruciating. But I, in my own way, I really wanted to at one point just be able to work and let all the grief be something separate. But you can't do that because yeah. it comes back. And same thing with the other things. If we don't pay attention to our marriage, if we don't pay attention to our children, if we don't pay attention to our business, our personal finances, all of that comes back with a vengeance at some point. We can put it away for a little bit, but we can't put it away forever. And when we hit that burnout, I think it's that we're not we're not seeing the orchestra. We're not seeing how right now it's 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 time for the piccolo to be able to have a solo, right? But it doesn't mean that the oboe is not a beautiful instrument. It doesn't mean that the tuba isn't going to be awesome. It doesn't mean that the timpanis aren't going to come in in a few minutes. But when we look at it right now, it's just time for for the piccolo. It's just their solo right now, and that's okay because it's part of that big orchestra of our life that kind of comes together. 
And but we have to we have to mentally and emotionally be aware of our mental journey through that so that we can say, oh, I'm freaking out about that. Okay. Oh, I need to see how this is always in balance. And um, I think it gives us a piece to wait another day to be able to, you know, not decide that I need to be in a mental institution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's oh gosh, I love the way you describe the pistons and the symphony because I talk about a, a big thing for us is success without sacrifice. That's the name of our business. Um, and part of that is work life balance. And it drives me crazy when people say work life balance doesn't exist. And they're like, oh, balance is bad. And it's not a bad word, but it's exactly what you described is people think work-life balance is this 50-50, 50% mm -hmm. work and 50% life. And that is not reality. And I talk about it in a sense of like stress versus rest. Like if you have too much stress, you're going to get out of balance, right? But if you can learn yeah. how to offset that with things that energize you and with rest, then you'll be more balanced. It doesn't mean you're going to be 50-50. It doesn't even mean that and work-life balance is different for everybody. It's not amount of hours, right? So I love the the visual that you gave that and that you've kind of been through it and you've seen it and seen that like we need seasons. And this was one of the gaps that I saw in business, for especially for females, because like you said, you are a high achiever. And, and I think for a lot of high achievers, this is really common, like I don't, I have to be really intentional about like my VA has to tell me to schedule a date night, right? And this is not uncommon for female high achievers and a lot of high achieving business women, um, and I don't know what the statistics are, but I should look this up, but do have strained relationships and marriages that a lot of times end up in divorce. And, um, and part of it is that it's just our nature to drive, drive, drive. And we don't, it's not like there's anything wrong with us, right? It's just, we have to learn how to be intentional and learn how to be just okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, the seasons that you talked about and like in 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 sports there is a reason there are seasons right yeah. there is a rest season a preseason an in season and a post or a peak season and every single season has an intention and if we can bring that into business that's a game changer those those people those athletes who have the right training plan are the olympic gold medalists yep and yep. as business owners, if we can learn to apply that and implement that same methodology that has been proven to work for years and years, um, it, it gives us a framework to be able to say, this is what's happening in this season, and this is happening in this season, and this is not happening in this season. And, that and it doesn't mean you're never going to go back to that season or uh, right. to go through that season again. You will. Yeah. It will. It's just not right now. And it's yeah. okay. There's There's nothing wrong with that we yeah. i think in life we want to we want to attach a label to stuff we want to attach right or wrong yeah Th this was right or this is wrong or whatever we get in a discussion this this person was right and i was wrong or that i was wrong and they were right i hate those words i just hate them because there's nothing that's that clean cut that is right or wrong there's just the timeline that we have to be able to make and when we come back to it then we're rested and we can be better in the season for that yeah. piece of our life that needs that attention at that time will be better for it in the long run yeah yeah and i find that a lot of people and i used to say that i don't have time or so like self-care especially as high achieving women yeah. it gets it gets put down on the to-do list right and it's like you have all these other to-dos and it's like oh well if i have time i'll get to it but if you can prioritize that and make that a priority first it's like a domino effect on every other area of your life but trying to um get a high achiever to understand that without them being forced, like you said, like I had to be forced into it, right? Um, so Teresa, you had mentioned 
so a couple different moving pieces, divorce, and then got remarried and you completely changed what you did in the way that you did it. And so your marriage could be successful. I would love to you for to just to talk a little bit about that. Like, what did you have to do differently? What are some changes that you made either personally or professionally that is now allowing you to have a successful marriage? It, it really comes down to one phrase and it's a lot bigger than just one phrase, but I'm going to just do one for the succession, but then I can discuss it. It's letting go. And to me, what that means is, is that I'm not the queen of everything. Just because I'm a business owner, just because I'm a mom, I think sometimes we get so expectant that we're supposed to be the one that holds everything together. And if we're so worried something's going to fall apart, our kids are going to, you know, look like crud. And I mean, you know, or our kids are going to show up dirty one day to school. You're like, okay, if they do, they do. Like, who cares to some degree, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I grew up, I, I mean, I've raised my children and grown up in the same community. I went to high school here where I live and where I've raised my children. And I think that there's just so much, especially for women, there's so much of a stigma of, you know, having a having a perfect home and the decorations and, you know, how you're, you know, that everything's clean and that everything is, everything has its place, right? Organized and structured. Um, I think we know our kids look good. Our kids are doing well in school. They're taking AP classes. You know, oh my gosh, we went on vacation like to Disney World this year. Oh my gosh, we're going to go to, you know, Paris this year. We're going to take the kids because we believe they need a world, big world view. And if we're not doing all these things, we somehow come back and judge ourselves that we are somehow not viable human beings. Yeah. And it's just wrong. It's yeah. just so wrong. And um, I don't like it. I mean, I'm, I'm all excited when everybody's kids go to college and everybody's like, oh my gosh, my kid got into this program. Oh my gosh. Statistically, a fourth of the kids are going to graduate from college, which I'm super excited you're about to go spend 60 grand for your kid to go halfway across <laughs> the country and you're going to give them a $30,000 budget to go decorate their new apartment because they can't live in a, in a condo or can't live in a dorm. But the reality is, is that what's best for my family? Is that what's right. best for the big picture? We don't think of that. We think about all these things that we think of as somehow showing our value and that if we can't keep them all in balance, that we're going to be a failure. And I think that we have to release that. We have to let go. And when it came down to my husband and I, with a blended marriage, he has two kids that are already adults that were older. I had two kids. Uh, One was pretty much out of the house. One was still in the home. But he had a very different parenting style than I did. And he was much more of a type A personality. And I am a type A personality in a lot of ways. But if I'm with a type A personality, I don't like to argue and I don't like to fight. Honestly, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do anyway. But (laughs) I, what I do is I take a second seat. And what I did was I took a second seat to him. And what happened was my children and most people in my life felt like I had changed because I was like, oh, what do you want me to do? But at the same point, I had been in a situation in a business where uh, my my step my my dad my stepfather he's actually my stepfather did not really participate in the business and I had to figure out how to be a business owner kind of I feel like by braille I was kind of feeling around in the dark and I found this really wonderful very well educated man who had a great business background and I just gave into everything that he told me to do and everything was very spreadsheet driven very MBA look at this look at this diagram and this is what you need to do based on this pie chart but it was totally the antithesis of who I am so when we broke up and then we got back together again, I went back to him and I said, I know who I am and who I am is glorious. 
And I love who I am. And my children love who I am. I have tons of friends who love who I am. And we were actually uh, divorced for a full two years, but we were actually not together for about 11 months in the middle in there. And I just said, I like who I am. And if you can love me as who I am and who what I bring to the table, then I am here. But you are not here to change me, but I am not here to change you. Mm. And I don't need to change the people in my team. I don't need to change the people that I work with. I don't need to change my clients. I need to love them and be with them where they are. But they need to let me be who I am. I cannot lose myself. I remember going through some counseling with my daughter. And she looked at me one day and she said, she said, Mom, I just feel like I can't find you. I feel like I just don't know where you are anymore. I don't know who you are and how you're going to respond to things. And I took that very seriously because I thought I've always been right here. How do you not know who I am or where to find me? And she was just like, it's because you're letting everything else. You're letting the stress. You're letting people. You're letting your friends. You're letting your business. You're letting your finances. You're letting your husband control all of your responses. And I was like, I do. And then I realized that I was giving up my power because I thought somebody else could do it better than me. And in that time where we were in our apartment by ourselves, I had a friend of mine say, look at your kids and realize that they are whole, perfect and complete, exactly as God has created them to be able to be and that they will find their own way. And that they have a story when they sit around, they have a glass of wine with a friend and they go, ha ha ha. When I was this age, guess what happened to me? We all have those stories and we can't take them away from the people that are living those stories. Same thing with our team. We can't go in and solve all their problems because they need to learn how to call the carrier and answer that question. They need to learn how to be able to deal with that difficult client. If it gets to be a certain level, 100%, I'm there and I will take care of it, right? If they have a question, come knock on my door. But I'm going to come ask you, how did you already try to solve this? And then we'll talk about if that doesn't work, what we can do additionally. But I expect my team member to go back and to fix it. I'm not going to go fix it for them. I even went to the point where I sat my children down and I said, I've been this helicopter mom, right? I've been like, which <laughs> is hovering, right? I said, that's done. I said, I, we are having a formal family meeting. And I said, I love you. And I trust your instincts. And I am here to help you grow but I'm not here to tell you who to be. And I told them, I said, helicopter mom is done. She's landed. She's gone. She's having a drink <laughs> in the bar. So if you want to, come on over, have a seat. Let's talk through things. But I'm going to ask you, what do you want and how are you going to fix it? And, I, and, I, and I've even gotten to the point where I say, do you want advice? Do you want me to listen? Or do you want me to be your champion? And if they say, I want you to be my champion, I'm like, rock on. I'm like, dude, dude, this is what, yes go, go. Yes. You know, but if they say I want advice, I'm like, okay, what are your goals and how can we help you to achieve those? Does, does this that you're doing match up with those goals? And I try to walk them through that process. It's not, you need to do because people yeah. shut down with that. Yeah. But then if I just want you to listen, I shut up, I stop. And a lot of times I'm just like smiling and nodding. And some people are like, why aren't you talking? I'm like, do you, do you want me to talk? Because right now I just want to give you space so I can listen. And taking that into my business, taking that into my marriage, taking that into my children healed so many things. It healed so many relationships. Um, 
I can't even begin. I had friends that came back to me and said, Teresa, you were so angry. I didn't want to be around you before mm. you changed. You went back into this thing because I got to the point where it's like, if people won't do what they need to do, then I don't need to be a part of their life, you know? And it's not me or the highway, right? I mean, it doesn't need to be my way or the highway. It needs to be that we love each other through that because that's the way we need to be able to run our teams. It's the way we need to love our clients. We don't know what they're going through on their end. Yeah. It's the way we need to love our spouses. And we have what we call the you do, you boo rule. And it is, <laughs> if my husband's getting a little saucy or whatever, I'm like, okay, baby, you do, you boo. I don't have any responsibility for this and I'm not here to carry you. So I'm just going to love you through it. And I'm just going to kind of watch the, uh, maybe the flames, if it comes to that. And I'm just going to love you and I'm going to, stand there with a the fire extinguisher asking whenever you're ready to not burn anymore, but I'm not here to keep you from burning. If you're going to walk into that fire, you know, and before I'd be like, no, it's my personal job to keep you from right. walking into the fire. And we just have to release that. And we go, Oh, mm -hmm. look, you got burned. That sucks. Are you ready to move forward? Well, then let's do it together. And it wasn't just my husband that I had to change for or change with It's for me. I had to be a better person. And my son and I had a, a very, uh, we had a fabulous relationship. We had a very, very, very good relationship. Um, but we went through a season where we did not. He was making some choices I didn't approve of. And um, he was very um, doing his own thing. He was young. I mean, you know, he's 20 years old. I'm going to do what I want to do, right? And I, when I got to the point where I was like, that sucks. How are you going to fix it? And I wasn't helicopter mom anymore. He was like, oh. So you're not going to fix this? I was like, nope. Like, oh, well, then what am I going to do? I go, well, then you have this bill now. So you need to figure out, you need to go get another job, figure it out. I don't know. What are you going to do? And all of a sudden he had to think for himself. And so it helped him to think forward. But then it also healed our relationship that I saw him as the strong man that he was growing into. And unfortunately, he did pass away at 28 from a from a secondary repercussion he had a suicide attempt when he was 20 and it just it caught up with him but the key there is just he and i were able to heal i was able to heal with my daughter i was able to heal with my with my husband and we are so blessed in that way and i think that it's also propelled the agency in an environment where we are all very happy we are all very close so we, i run a virtual agency so we don't sit in the same room and have lunch together so, but we're on Zoom all day together and we have great conversations. We laugh, we talk, um, and we have people all over the country. So I think in taking that and applying it across every aspect of my life, it wasn't just my marriage that was able to be restored. It was also my relationship with some friends and my relationship with my business and my children that to me was just invaluable. Yeah. Well, and how you show up in one area of life is how you show up in all areas of life, right? Um, I just love your story of just redemption uh, in, in kind of all the areas. And for me, um, when my kids were toddlers, I had gone out of a, a career. I've been a high achiever my whole life, cried when I got to be on a science test in seventh grade, like that level of just have to have success yep. and achievement, right? And then I became a mom and all of a sudden it was like these expectations that I had on my kids mm -hmm. and it was all about, well, they have to look a certain way and they have to do a certain thing yeah. in order for me to be a good mom. Right. And you talked about that and touched on that and the amount of stress that that puts on you <laughs> as a person and then how that bleeds into your relationships. 
is unreal and just the you know the perfect house and the clean house and all of those things that you talked about that we as women and i think that's that's the difference between men and women who are business owners right like women we have so much mindset stuff we have so much uh that society tells us the way yep. we should be or who we should be that we allow that to start to control our lives and um and i love just your story of and your vulnerability vulnerability of just everything that you went through and kind of where you're at now and i just hope that people listening to this that are behind you right that are working that they can hear this and really take it in of like if i can do that now right i can save me a world of heartache and yes like you're still going to have heartache yes there's still going to be struggles and pain but like just sit with this and hear it and know that there's there's seasons and there's redemption and um that healing comes through release like you said through surrender um, and as women and as high achievers and high performers, I feel like, um, and I don't know, this is true for me and a lot of the people I've talked to is, is control. We want to control everything. And if we can't control it, then it's like, what do we do if we don't have control yeah. of something? So, well, you know, I think especially for women, one of the first things women say, and, and especially when you're really aware of this, it really stands out in society. If you're ever like in a playground, right. Or something like that, people are like, can't they get control over their kid, right? <laughs> and, you know, or they'll sit back and they'll say, well, what kind of parents are those? You hear that all the time, yeah. right? If you're, if you, if you, I mean, I remember I was like, I was like seven months pregnant with my son. I went to go see my grandmother and she was like, hmm, we definitely been eating for two, haven't we? And we're just surrounded in our lives with shame. And yeah. I, feel like we, we, we shame ourselves. We shame the other people in our lives and we don't intentionally do it. But, you know, I was at, I was at church this past weekend and I love the fact that if it, my, our pastor said that if you don't, if you don't bless abundance on other people, how can you ever expect to be able to receive abundance for yourself? And I thought, oh my gosh, how many times we sit around and go, oh, well, like how much money are they spending on that trip? Oh my goodness. Oh, but if we're able to take a trip, we think that we can post it all over Facebook. And everybody's going to think that we're the best person ever because we got to do this. But a lot of it is because we self-shame. We yeah. hold ourselves up to some level that doesn't even exist. And if we just were more honest and more transparent in some of that, I think a lot of the mental health issues would go away. And I think a lot of the um, connection that we've lost amongst our society and amongst people would come back. And I think it doesn't mean we need to berate an issue. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean we need to wear it like a, you know, like a tiara, right? Where everybody can see our, our shame, but at the same point, or our, our trials and our tribulations, but at the same point, we need to use those to help lift other people up. And that's when what we've been through or what we're doing in building a business, mentoring the person behind us, right? That's when we find so much more significance because we can achieve, like we were talking about earlier, we can achieve that million dollar agency, that $1.5 million agency. We can be on the cover of Rough Notes. We can do this, we can do that. But if we're not finding significance in what we're doing, it's all going to be empty. It's yeah. all, but we need to find what is significance for us. Is it that, is it you want to be able to build a great team? My, like I said, my husband is this wonderful MBA, great spreadsheet man. We were having a conversation one time and I was like, you know, that's not important to me. The, the numbers matching on a spreadsheet. He goes, what do you mean? It doesn't matter. And, and he goes, no, because no, it's supposed to track based on your, your, your projection of growth. And if you don't make your projection of growth this year, you know, you're behind and then everything goes in the red. I said, no. 
I said, I want a happy, healthy team. I want to empower the families that my team members have. I want to be able to empower them to take their kids for vacation. I want them to have a wonderful time to go pick them up and be at all their school events. I want more than just what can be shown on a spreadsheet. And he looked at me and I'll never forget it. He goes, oh, well, then I need to help you in a completely different way. Oh. And it was so funny because he was having all these conversations that he had had in his corporate life and he was transferring them over to me. But then the reality was that wasn't what I wanted. So of course we were butting heads, you right. know? but until we really came to that realization, it was, it was a constant conflict in a lot of ways, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, and it just changed our whole conversation. So I think we need to be really aware of who we are, what we're doing and how we shame ourselves, how we shame other people. But at the same point, how can we recognize that and stop it? Yeah. You, um, you actually talked about, um, I was listening to one of your podcast interviews and you guys were talking about Enneagram and Enneagram is something I really love. And I am very fascinated by personalities and especially like if a, if team members, if there's conflict, especially between females, and we saw this a lot in sports as well, but also if you're, especially if you're in person in an office, the conflict that happens between females and sometimes the jealousy and the resentment and the different things. And it's like, at the end of the day, if we can understand ourselves and understand how we operate and understand how other people operate, then we can, one, it empowers us to stand up and say, no, this isn't what I value. This isn't, this isn't important to me and understand that, oh, well, he does value that. And that's important to him. And the example I like to give is my husband and I are very different in what we value down to like, I remember we had some extra money and he wanted a big screen TV. Right. And to me, I'm like, well, that's dumb. That's not important. Like that's not a necessity, but here yep. I am. I'll spend a hundred dollars a month on really good face and hair products that aren't yep. going to mess with my hormones. Right. And so I'm like, I spent a hundred dollars a month and that's valuable to me. And he doesn't see why that's important. Like why on earth do you have to spend that much money on, you know, and, but it's, it's all about, but he values sports and that's a hobby mm -hmm. for him. And so if we can just like, understand that not everybody's going to value what we value and not everybody's going to operate the way that we operate. And that's okay. <laughs> and yeah, and the when we stop trying to change people, yep. everything is, is works in better harmony. Um, so I just love that you pointed all that out. And I just thought it was really fascinating. I can't remember what you guys, what you said your Enneagram numbers are. I'm a seven. My husband is a six. I can't remember. I know I'm a loyalist. I can't remember what the number is. I'm a loyalist. Six. And I, okay, I, like, I six. struggle I struggle with not being loyal to people. Like if I need to walk away from something, uh, oh my gosh, I don't sleep for a week. You know, if I wake up in the middle of the night, it's because I feel like I'm letting somebody down. I'll, I'll have dreams that I'm letting people down. So my husband, on the other hand, is a, I can't remember what his numbers are, but he's a much more of a driver type person. So, I mean, when he, when he has these crazy dreams at night, he has dreams that he's trying to defend his family from polar bears or dogs or whatever it is. That's coming at him. <laughs> Me on the other hand, I'm like, did you make this payment? And then I'm like, you know, Oh, did we make the payment for that client? Oh my gosh, what did we do? What did we not do? Did I, who do I need to talk to in the agency about whatever to remind them to do something? I don't know. For me, it's, it's, it's a, it, the loyalty thing is, is really, really big. Yeah. And just understanding those different personalities, I think is, um, is very empowering Huge. as an individual and just for communication and relationships too. So, um, okay. So we are just about out of time and I want to be respectful of your time, Teresa. I feel like we could like talk forever. I might <laughs> have to have you back on and, and absolutely talk about another topic or something, but, um, I, I just want to wrap up 
if you just have one piece of advice for somebody who is, you know, behind you, who's coming up, maybe they're starting an agency, um, whether it's a life or business advice or both, what's just kind of one one thing that you would put out there to them that you want them to really just take home today? Wow, that's a really big question. <laughs> um, I would say just keep at it and give yourself grace. I think that's those are to me the biggest things. Um, I think when we can when we can realize that life is a series of seasons, when we can realize that we're part of this orchestra, when we can realize that there will be things that will knock us on our rear ends, and when it happens, be okay with it. You know, be okay with the fact that right now I need to do blank. There's um, a great show right now on Apple TV called Shrinking. I don't know if you've seen it before. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a it's a psychiatrist and his um, wife passed away. And one of the things is they give themselves they have a hard time mourning. They have a hard time processing these feelings because they they don't know they're scared of them. Right. So one of the things they do is they say, take 15 minutes a day. And just play some music or something that triggers you. Right. And then just let it just go. There's, you know, and then like, it'd be done like 15 minutes. Okay, fine. Set an alarm, but you, you let it out. You, you, you recognize that it's there. And I think that being persistent, consistent, being tenacious, but not tenacious to where we're, we're hurting ourselves is really the key. It's giving ourselves grace, giving ourselves love, realizing that things are a season and then saying, okay, now it's time to pick this piece back up. Now it's time for this piece. And I think doing things that set your soul on fire is really a big thing because in this industry, insurance may not be the thing that sets your soul on fire for a little while. We, it is a very noble industry and I love being a part of it, but talking about that homeowner's insurance deductible isn't necessarily <laughs> what sets my soul on fire. But it does set my soul on fire to be able to have work, you know, team events. It does set my soul on fire to be able to volunteer at different events, to be on boards, to be able to help other insurance agency owners as they're getting their feet wet and really getting into the industry. That does excite me. So look for things that excite you. Feed that. Yes. And then realize the seasons and just stick with it. It's this is a marathon. This is a no, it's not even a marathon. This is an ultra thon. This is an ultra. Okay. This is not 26 miles. This is not six miles. This is not 13 miles. This is not even a hundred miles. This is a lifetime. Yeah. A lifetime where we are building. We are taking care of people. We're taking care of our team members. We're taking care of our clients. We're taking care of, you know, the carrier reps that come into our office because they have a job and they have families that we're part of their ecosystem. And just being tenacious, but giving yourself space and realizing that everything's a season. So that's, yeah. you know, just like that's that's what it really comes down to self-care does not mean we have to go take a bath everybody right. thinks self-care is like a bath with candles it doesn't have to be that you know if, if i love listening to brene brown i will just put on a brene brown podcast or listen to one of her books and there's something about that that helps me refocus into where i really want to be and who i want to be and that helps me to refocus if you want to serve, know what sets your soul on fire. For me, it's service. Wow. I have to feel like I'm serving. If I feel like I'm dominating, I hate myself. I just don't want to be that person. So I love Rotary. I love um, serving the industry through, you know, different organizations that I'm part of. Find something that sets your soul on fire. Because honestly, talking about deductibles for wind hail or for property, for commercial insurance or pollution coverage, and going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I love that you pointed that out, too, because... 
I think as business owners, a lot of time and a lot of the clients that we work with is they just lose joy and they lose that fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yes, you get to serve people and there's a certain level of fulfillment in that. But at the end of the day, like that only goes so far and, and, and doing the same thing over and over. And so, um, really finding that stuff that sets your soul on fire. And I love too that you're you're serving because you love it, not out of obligation. And a lot of women say yes to things out of obligation and oh, this is a good thing, so I should do it. That there's a different energy that that's going to take away from you than an energy that it's going to give you. And so um, I love that you pointed out too, self care is not just a bath, right? And when I had a self care gift box company, um, we talked a lot about a mental, emotional, physical, mm -hmm. spiritual self-care, right? And really understanding because at the end of the day, giving somebody a box of products or services wasn't enough. It wasn't enough right. to create that transformation. It was getting down to like what actually fuels you as an individual person and knowing what works for you specifically versus doing something because you think like, oh, that's what I should do. Um, yep. So, and I love too, because you've been in the industry for so long that you're finally at a point, you're like, I have to start fueling my passion in different ways because you've, you've hit the success, you've hit the goals. And so you have to start feeding that in a different way. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so I love it. Well, and I think the, the last thing I'm going to say about that, too, is what set your soul on fire five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago does not necessarily set your soul on fire today. And that's yeah. one of the things I've really struggled with, because when I went through my first divorce, I used to just pour onto the concrete when I used to go run. And I ran and I ran marathons and I ran half marathons. And I mean, I did like five or six a year. I mean, I was all oh my gosh. pound in the pavement. I would, you know, I would get up in the morning and I would pound the pavement. Then I had a treadmill and I'd go run at night. I mean, it was an outlet for me. But honestly, I burned myself out on it. I truly yeah. did. And I got hurt. Um, and now I can't run because I, I anyway, I messed up my back and like, anyway, so now I try to run and I'm like, oh, now I'm fat and I hate this. And this is just miserable. And I remember just going out for like 18, 19 miles, just feeling it and just thinking through the, how to solve the world's problems. That won't work for me today. Yeah. It's not a drive for me anymore. Yeah. But I needed to find things that did set my soul on fire based on who I am today. It used yeah. to be volunteering with my kids. My kids are, my kids are older, you know, I mean, they're, they, you know, my daughter lives in Denver, you know, I mean, you know, my son did live here, but you know, of course, but you know, it's like, who am I going to go hang out with for my kids? I don't have that personal outlet the way I did before. So find mm -hmm. something else. Like I loved Rotary. I was club president for Rotary for a while. Love that. Was volunteered there for a number of years. Now I'm doing more industry stuff. Love that. Start a podcast, something that you're passionate about, you know, share who you are and, but find out what sets your soul on fire and what you're visionary, visionarily excited about, what you can see a future for, and then really latch onto that. But remember, it might not be what sets your soul on fire five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding too, that self-care is different in different seasons and that's okay. Yeah. And it can change with the seasons and it should change with the seasons um, and not being so stuck in, you know, a specific like routine, because it's not about, it's not about just checking it off your to-do list. It's about, it should change something inside of you mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So, um, Teresa, so much good. I wanted to touch on, uh, we didn't get into it, but I wanted to touch on the grief a little bit mm -hmm. and how that kind of played into some of this burnout and, you know, the last two years of feeling this and like, of course you're feeling just a blah, right? There's grief, um does that and it comes in waves and it doesn't just go away <laughs> it never just goes away no. 
and how that's going to affect your business and your life um, and moving on from all of that. And um, I was hoping to get into that a little bit, but I know we're a little bit over time. I don't know what your time is, but um, I just and you had mentioned this too, that like you can't just allowing yourself the space to grieve or to feel your feelings. And I find as um, high achievers and a lot of the women I work with, and this was true for me too, is, is we want to, we don't want to think about the bad feelings. We want to push them away and we want to shove them away. And we want to keep trudging on until you, you eventually it overtakes you and you can't ignore it anymore. And you have to allow yourself the space and that feels scary and it feels hard. And, you know, whether that's um, working with, you know, a counselor or a therapist or just giving yourself in the day to allow your body to feel what it feels. Um, there's so much growth and transformation that comes from that. We think it's going to stop us if we allow those feelings to come in when in reality, that is what really helps us to grow and to heal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it well, well, I, I learned my mom passed away when I was 22. And um, I learned from that because I was in the middle of my senior year of college, I was doing my student teaching. And uh, I had a young child. And my husband at the time was uh, my first husband was in the process of graduating from college, too. I graduated in May, oh he graduated in August. And um, and then my mom died in February before we all graduated. So it was like, and I was in the middle of my student teaching. I had to just push through. And I realized with that, and people used to always say, you need to grieve. And I was like, no, it was a long illness. I'm fine. You know, I have, I have to graduate. My mom's dream was for me was to graduate college. That was her dream for me. And um, so, and I needed to make sure that happened. And um, I think that then like four years later, five years later, when my daughter was born, I hit this wall that I could not come back from. And it was definitely a big part of my divorce from my husband the first time, because I could not, I couldn't identify what this was that I had, but I had something. And when I got into business with, with my stepfather, um, it was still there. And it was this sense of being cheated in life. It was this sense of just this deep abandonment, even though, I mean, my mom did not abandon me. She died from cancer. It was, but it was this deep abandonment. And I felt like I couldn't share that with anybody else because everybody else was also grieving. My my stepfather was grieving. My sister was grieving. You know, my uh, ex-husband, his brother died a month or a, a, a couple weeks before my, my mother died. And then my grandmother died a couple of weeks after my mom died. So it was like, we were all grieving, but it came back with such a force a couple of years later that when, um, when my divorce happened, I, uh, my first divorce, I read a book called Motherless Daughters, and it really helped me through a lot of stuff. But then when I went through my divorce with my second husband, I read a great book called um, Start, Go From Average to Awesome. And it was how to be able to confront your fears and step over them and go into where you know you need to be. And that was super impactful for me because I needed to come back to center and say, I am a good person. I am okay. I do have a sense of knowledge of where I need to go and what I need to do. So that helped me through that portion of that grief. But when we come through another portion of grief, because every grief is different, right? We mourn each event because grief is not just about death of a physical yeah. human being. It's also maybe about a relationship. Maybe it's about a job, a career. It could be about, you know, a best friend. I went through, I lost my best friend of over 23 years as a friend. She just got remarried and decided she wanted other things with her life. And I, I still mourn that. Um, I miss her. She came to my son's funeral and I had to emotionally keep space because I wanted to fall into her and I couldn't do it. But her children are still mm -hmm. great friends of mine. Um, 
I think that when we talk about grief in the world and taking care of ourselves, the number one thing, like I said earlier, is just being aware of it, realizing that you have to have that space to be able to process it, but realizing it's not going to be quick. It's not going to be one time. And it's going to be, somebody once told me grief is like a knife that is always going to be in your gut. It just gets duller over time, but the knife never goes away and it never stops hurting. And I can say with my mom, I've, I've dealt with a lot of things and that was, you know, 20, 26, 20, 27 years ago. So we've, we definitely processed it with my son. I process a lot, um, not enough. And his 30th birthday would be on the 27th of this month. So I've already built into my week that I will be taking that time off because I know I have to, and I know that I can't push through. And I know it's not healthy for me to push through. There are times Mm. when we have to push. When he first passed, I wanted to get back to work. Like, let me back to work. Because I knew I wasn't ready to process. I knew I wasn't. But then as we went, I said, hey, I need today off. I need today off. And my team's like, go, go, go. And I told them when it happened, I said, I'm going to jump back in. But I may not always be here. I might leave half days. I might do things. And they were like, all right, that's fine. Because I knew how I process that I don't just and process. I have to take time to process. And um, I did counseling. I've done a lot of counseling. Um, I've not found a really good therapist that I love. I did find one with my mom that I loved. I found a really great one with um, my kids and my divorce that I loved. Unfortunately, neither of them are still in practice. Um, I have looked them up. But um, I would love to find a really great therapist again. Um, I have been to therapists. I just haven't found the right one for me. But I also know that the most impactful thing for me is reading, processing, journaling. I am a huge journaler. If you can, if you, if you're watching the video, I don't know if this would be video or not, but I mean, I have my journal right here and I, I process, this is how I process is I process numbers. I process words. And then I go back and I read them. And I think, how screwed up is it that I'm thinking this about myself? Because it lets me see what's in my soul. And sometimes I write to my son. Sometimes I write to my mom. Sometimes I write to my daughter who's alive. And she's on Zoom most days with me because she works with me now as a commercial insurance agent. But we have to know that we deserve to give ourselves what we would give other people. And we need to give ourselves the time and the space to heal And if that means hitting the pavement and running for somebody, that's great. It doesn't mean that's always going to work. It might be meditation. It might be, you know, for me, it was a box of Oreos every night when my son first died. I mean, I would sit down with a box of Oreos and just eat because, and I knew that's what I was doing. I knew it was what I was doing. And, um, but then there's a time when you have to sit back and go, this isn't healthy. And I don't choose to do this anymore. I, I call it licking wounds. I was licking that wound. It's been licked. We need to do something else because this is unhealthy. And there's a time when you're like, okay, I just need to be miserable and I just need to feed that right now. But then there's a time you just need to put your big girl panties on and move forward. And it doesn't mean we can't go back there, you know? Right. But we need to give ourselves the grace to, to do that. Yeah. We are our own team member. We have to bring our best to our families, to our team. We have to bring our best to, you know, our finances. We have to be clear of mind. We have to be able to keep our businesses moving forward because people depend on us. And that means that I need to be able to get out of my own way some days. And I don't always do that. Um, But as far as grief goes, just take time to let it sit, listen to it, feel it and do whatever works for you. I mean, it might be talking to a pastor. It might be talking to a best friend. It might be a girl's night. It might be 
going and sitting in their apartment complex in the lobby and just crying. You don't no. know. Or a combination of all the things. <laughs> or it might be everything. It might be everything. You know, it might be every once in a while sitting down with a box of Oreos. I don't recommend it yeah. on a regular basis. I've had to learn, I've had to lose the 36 pounds I, I gained, but that was no fun. But, um, you know, you just, you have to listen to your soul, you know, and just let it be what it is and um, don't judge it. Again, don't shame what we need out of this moment. If it's reading a book on self-help, great. If it's reading a fiction book, because you just can't process any more information right now, let it be that. Yes. There's nothing wrong with finding joy in a moment. If it means knocking off work and going to a movie, go to a movie. Do what's right for you. But also what we need to do is allow the other people around us the space to do those as well. Because not you're yeah. not we're not the only person processing grief in different ways for different events in life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Um, I know that's not easy to talk about, but also like it needs to be talked about. Right. And it when does. it comes to grief, we're just like, Ooh, we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and people well, get think, uncomfortable with I think it. Most but... people don't even know how to deal with it. I find that most yeah. people, it's not that they don't want to be there for you. It's that they don't right. know how to be there for you. Yeah. yeah. And if we do encounter somebody with grief uh, or processing grief, even if it's a team member or whatever, ask them, how can I help you today? Don't expect people to come to you with answers because they are so overwhelmed usually emotionally, they don't know what they need, right? Yeah. So we can just come and say, is there something I can just do to serve you today, right? And and it really bothers me when people take things out of my hands. Maybe it's that type A personality, I don't know. But I mean, <laughs> if I'm doing something and somebody comes and takes it out of my hands, I don't see that as taking something off my plate. I see it as telling me that I'm not good enough. Right. So really look at how we can serve people, ask people how we can serve people and serve people in a way that's appropriate for their grief and where they're at, because they may need space to be able to process their grief. They may need you to just listen. They may need you to help them process and they may need you to just take care of things so they can disappear just for 24 hours. And we don't know. But if we don't ask or try to be sensitive to that, you know, we're not helping. We're more of a hindrance at that point. Yeah, that's that's such great advice as asking. Don't just take or don't just assume. Um, don't assume that you're helping. Uh, <laughs> I like I know that my tendency is control, right? Or I want to help people. And so it's like yeah. sometimes that can be overbearing and it's not helpful. So I think that's really good advice is like asking. Um, and either they're going to tell you or they're not going to tell you. Um, and that's OK, too. And it's OK to to not be able to help, you know, if somebody doesn't want help, like you, you can't force that either. So. And today uh, may not be the day they need your help. It might be tomorrow. I mean, you yeah. know, asking says I'm available. Yeah. You know? And so when they do need help, maybe they will call you. I mean, I don't know, you know, yeah. hopefully, you know, or maybe they'll reach on out and just say, you know, Hey, I need you to pick up the kids today. I just need to lay in bed and okay, fine. I'll go pick up your kids from school today. You know, if that's, if that's what you need, that's what I'm going to do for you today. Mm. Well, I just want to say happy birthday to your son. Happy 30th Thank birthday. Yes. 30. Uh, I can't believe I have a son that would be 30. I mean, I only look, you know, I'm only 21. I don't know how in the world that ever happened. I was going to say, well, you don't look like you should have adult <laughs> children. So, <laughs> uh, but you have been in the industry for 20 years. So <laughs> I have been. Yep. Uh, uh, Teresa, thank you so much for being here today and for just sharing your heart with everybody. And just for the insights that you have is really incredible. And uh, for what you're doing for women in the insurance industry. I think it's incredible through your podcast, through sharing, just through uh, mentoring and everything that you're doing. Uh, I think you're just such a light for people. And I love listening to your podcast. Um, 
can't wait for new episodes to come out. But I also appreciate you. that you have given yourself the space to to not um, and to be okay. We were we were talking about beforehand um, podcasting and all of that stuff. And um, so, where can people reach out to you, Teresa, if they want to connect with you um, or learn more about you? Yeah, so people can reach on out to me. I'm, I'm on Facebook all the time. Um, so Facebook, Teresa Kitchens, just like the room with an S, K-I-T-C-H-E-N-S. Um, and then um, I am on LinkedIn and I am on Instagram. Um, I do tend to not be on those as frequently. Um, if people want to look us up, we're the Sterling Insurance Group in Plano, Texas. You're always welcome to reach out to me that way. Um, so, I mean, people can always reach on out to me. Uh, I mean, it's just my first name, dot, last name at sterlinginsnow.com is my email address. So it's T-E-R-E-S-A dot K-I-T-C-H-E-N-S at sterlinginsnow.com. Um, and people can just give me a call, reach on out. I'm I'm super available. If people look for me, I'm generally around. They can check out the podcast too on Apple iTunes, Google, uh, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And most of those have different avenues for you to be able to reach, for people to be able to reach out to me as well. I'm on most uh, insurance Facebook pages too. So if you just kind of Google me up or whatever, you can usually find me. And I'm always here. Honestly, that is what to me the significance of what we're doing is, is being available and being here for people. And to me, that is why I choose to do what I do. Um, I don't get paid for the podcast. Um, you know, it's, it's a passion project because I love where the industry is going and women in the insurance industry. So if anybody wants to reach out, I'm happy to be able to chit chat. I know every time I hear somebody, I'm like, oh, I need to get them on the podcast. <laughs> I know. I need like a list. I actually yeah, have a book. So. I, have, I actually have a Monday.com board where I put people in whenever I think about them and, and I put them in so that way I can always go back and pull from it later on. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Teresa. Thank, Thank you for you. being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Hey, for those of you uh, still sticking around, we have a mastermind coming up for insurance agency owners coming up October 2023. It's going to be a combination of one-on-one -on -one coaching and group incubator. Um, if you're interested in that, we will be giving out more details here soon, and you can check out the show notes. Thank you so much for staying and listening to us today. We will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Insurance Revolutionized podcast today. We know there is a lot on your plate, so it means the world to us that you stopped in to give us a listen. We hope you will join us each week as we dive into topics such as mindset, goal setting, productivity, self-care, and so much more. We want to inspire more women to have success without sacrificing what is most important to them. And we need your help. If this podcast has inspired you, would you do us a favor? Would you take a minute to leave us a rating and review or share with your friends? Let's change the face of insurance for women. Until next time.